Welcome to She Is Becoming Podcast. We are an intergenerational podcast where we have a woman in her 60s, me, and a young gal in their 20s, Delaney. And Delaney is not with me today. She's not feeling well. But we have a very special guest here today, and I'm excited to have you meet her listeners. Her name is Laura Perry. And Laura has been um, through quite a journey, and she is willing to share it with us. She is also going to be giving her testimony at the Gather Conference the first week of February. So this is a a peek ahead of what you're going to be hearing on that uh, wonderful Gather event. So Laura, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me on. We always ask a signature question when we start this podcast. How has God been speaking to you lately, Laura? God has been teaching me so much lately about um, just relating to other people and um, learning to have a lot of grace for people. I think sometimes I had gotten caught up in pursuing the Lord so much that sometimes I didn't have grace for people where they were at and just learning to love people and um, really learning to, to be more relational and to invest in people. Oh, that's, that's a very important one. I mean, we're commanded so often in Scripture to love one another, and yet we, we, we need to be constantly brought back to that, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, Yeah, because otherwise, otherwise, I think, you know, knowledge puffs up sometimes, and, and we, can, um, we can become a little self-righteous. And I think I had been falling into that boat at one time, so the Lord has really kind of humbled me and reminded me that people are the ministry. Truly, truly. I love that. I love that last quote. Well, Laura, let's start with your story. Can you share some important scenes with us from your growing up? Yeah, you know, when I I really had a pretty good childhood, and looking back, it was way better than I realized. But, you know, I think as a kid, one thing God has revealed to me recently is that we are created for the Garden of Eden. And we have this expectation that life is perfect, you know, and and so when it isn't, it's profoundly disappointing. So, you know, my childhood wasn't near as tragic as some, but to me it was devastating because I had this, I didn't have a very good relationship with my mother and I was very, very close to my dad. We were two peas in a pod and, you know, we did everything together, but my mom never really wanted me around very much. And it really wasn't, you know, now that I'm an adult, I can understand kind of why that was. It, it wasn't so much to do with me. A lot of it was just her own brokenness. And she she shares some of that in her own testimony. She was trying so hard to please God in her own flesh through a lot of works and a lot of um, external activity, but just never really feeling that peace and that joy from the Lord. And so a lot of times she was too stressed out and burned out and was like, just go away, leave me alone, get off of me. Yeah, sure. and that's how I was treated a lot. So that that started some very early lies, um, and then of course I was molested and uh, wasn't getting along well with girls at school, and I was constantly told that I was tomboy. And I know a lot of girls have been called that. Some it may not affect as much as others, but when I was already feeling rejected by my mom and my sister, wasn't feeling like I fit in as well. I was more athletic, and I played with the boys all the time at recess. And so this label planted this seed that I wasn't really like girls. Yeah. Yeah, those early impressions, those early words mm-hmm. can really go so deep in our soul. Yeah. Yeah, well, so you, you grew up in your home. Um, what happened after high school? Well, at, in 
even in high school, I had started getting into a lot of sexual sin. And this really started to fracture my identity. And I've learned now there's a reason that God tells us um, to obey his word. And it's not because God doesn't want us to have fun. I think that's what every teenager thinks that God yeah. just doesn't want me to have fun. God yeah. doesn't know how good this is or whatever. Right. You know, but, but God really has a plan and a, a reason for the way he designed us. And um, I was giving everything away to men that they wanted in hopes that they would love me. And I was just getting rejected and dumped over and over and over again. And the same thing happened in college. It just got worse and worse and worse. And, uh, you know, I finally was like, the reason this never works out is because I was supposed to be the man. If I was the man, you know, I know how um, to treat a woman. And so that's what started that journey a lot. And I thought back to all those feelings and I'd had as a child and it was like, oh my goodness, it all makes sense. Sure. You know, and <clears throat> once you have that belief, you, your whole life gets put through that filter. And I've heard this from so many parents, like all of a sudden they're saying, their kids are saying, you know, all these things and pointing to these things that weren't a big deal. But now it, it's like, um, that's evidence that I was supposed to be trans. Yes. Yes. Yeah, as they look back and see these little yeah. points, and the enemy is all too quick to remind you of all that, right? Yeah, and you don't remind you don't remember the thousands of other things that pointed to the fact that I was a girl. Sure, you know? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I remembered were these few things that yes. pointed to the fact that I was surely supposed to be a boy. Right. Right. Well, now I know you're a believer. Now, what? Um, mm -hmm. How did you come, and what was your exposure to that Christian faith early on? Well, I had grown up in a Christian home, but, you know, we really, and, and I love my parents, and I'm so grateful for the foundation they give me. And for any parent, I just want to say this, there's so many parents that grieve and grieve and have so much guilt, and they blame themselves. And even with the problems with my mom, it wasn't her fault. You know, first of all, we're all broken. We all have to come to a faith on our own. They did the very best they knew how, but in their own brokenness, I don't think my parents had a lot of faith in God. They had a lot of religion. They knew a lot of the right things. They were reading the Bible. They were going to church. They had us in church. I was in Bible drill. I was in Christian school. So I had a lot of exposure, but I didn't see a real deep, genuine faith. Um, I saw a lot of fear and a lot of, you know, our prayers were kind of begging God to do our will. Yeah. Rather than really submitting to, to the Lord's will and really trusting him. And so I, I had really rejected it. And somebody, I don't remember the exact quote, but somebody was telling me recently that rules always lead to rebellion. You yeah. know, that's not the exact quote, but something along those lines that... that's Dr. Dobson <laughs> from years okay, ago. Okay, maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because God's rules by themselves don't lead to a transformed heart. Yeah. Um, you know, they can bring conviction, um, you know, like a, a verse my boss quotes out of Psalms a lot is... Um, uh, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, you know, and so the law of the Lord can bring conviction of sin and can lead us to repentance. But it ultimately, if we just know the rules, that doesn't transform our heart. No, there's no and salvation so, in keeping rules. None. Right. Exactly. You'll so, never do it perfectly. Right. Right. You know, and so as a kid, you know, you're trying to be the good kid and but you're becoming more and more broken. You're disappointed. God's not answering your prayers because you think God's supposed to do your will, you know, and all these things. And so I really uh, rejected God in high school. And I thought, you know, I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to obey God. And I wanted to be the opposite of a Christian. I was so angry by that point. 
Um, and so I told God I would never serve him again. I wanted to be the opposite of a Christian. I started getting into Satanism and stuff. I didn't get real deep into it by the grace of, of God. But, um, you know, when I was years later, the way that God began to reach me was so, um, so miraculous because I had wanted nothing to do with God. And yet over the years, because my parents <clears throat> and others were praying, there was this slow, gentle drawing me back. And it was such a miracle and it was totally the Lord. There was nothing that my parents could have done to fix me. It, it was all a work of the Lord. Yes, yes. Oh, parents need to hear that, Laura. Thank you for yeah. for, for thinking of that position in, in a situation like that. Parents really do suffer and and have so much guilt all the time. Um, and yeah. It's, it's a hard thing to let go of you, to let go of. How, how did you come to the decision? I mean, you had these early words spoken into your life that thought, well, then you started to think, maybe I should be a man. How, how did you make that? That's a big decision um, to transform to, into a male. It was. And, you know, it's just, I had, I think a lot of the problem was I was watching <clears throat> Sorry, I was watching a lot of pornography mm. and um, porn. People don't realize the destruction that pornography brings into the brain. Um, and there had been things, you know, I had had these um, fantasies as a child and I had been writing stories about being a boy. And I every night I would go to sleep writing these stories about being a boy. And so it began to be ingrained in my uh, in my character a little bit. You know, I began to believe as a child I was this. But then when I got into the porn years later, it's like I began to fantasize about it more and more. And I, I began to play these virtual sex games where I could sort of be this this man. Sure. And so it, and it so started that, in the mind. It started in mm -hmm. the mind. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one right there. And visually. Yeah, and that's what, yeah. And, you know, and Jesus says that all sin starts in the heart and, in, you know, and of course in the mind and these thoughts and that's what leads to sin. These thoughts and these feelings and these desires, they give birth to sin. Yes. And so I, I spent months fantasizing. And I remember I had gone on this romantic, well, what was supposed to be a romantic weekend with my boyfriend at the time for a, um, my birthday. And it was horrible. And he was such a jerk and the whole thing. And I remember thinking the whole time, I wish I was the man because I know how to, like, this could be so amazing. And I could treat a woman with you know, so much love and affection and make her feel like queen of the world, you know? Sure. And so that's what, it was shortly after that, that I made the decision, but I had already been fantasizing and watching pornography for a long time. And so all that fed into that desire. Yes. And so what was your process in becoming a male? Well, I didn't really know. I had never even heard the word. So I really, I looked up in Google, girl becoming a boy, just to see like, has anybody out there ever even thought of this? I, I thought it was like way out there. And I was stunned when thousands and thousands of results came up. But, you know, and there's all these people talking about how they were transgender and they had sex changes. And I'm like, wow, this is actually possible. And I, I looked and I found a support group in Tulsa where I was living at the time. Like, wow, right here in my own town. And so I went and within five minutes of meeting me, they're like, oh, you are definitely transgender. And, you know, I was worried I'd never look like a man, but they were, uh, they said, oh, don't worry about it. After a year or so of taking hormones, no one will ever know you were a girl. And that's what I'd wanted to hear all my life. And it was like, this is it. And so I, really at that moment, I absolutely believed it with all my heart. I believed I am just a man trapped in a woman's body and I just have to change the body and everything's going to be fine. And so I went to, I just, there's a, they, they call it the uh, 
WPATH standards of care. I forgot what the acronym stands for, um, but they were created um, many back in the seventies, I think. And it was this certain path you were supposed to take to transition. And so I started with counseling and uh, which I didn't really want. I, I thought the body was the problem, but I, I was just trying to get through it and, you know, and then take the hormones. And then I had my name legally changed. And so there are people that kind of helped me on this journey for how you were supposed to transition. And all along the way, I knew everything I was doing was kind of fake, but it was always like, it's going to be real one day. What, what do and you all mean along it's the, fake? What, what, how, say well, a little more about that. Okay. So like I, I was binding my breasts, for example, with these chest binders, and I knew that I still had them, but I'm looking like I have a flat chest, you know, Sure. but um, I knew that it was still, um, I didn't actually have a man's chest. Okay. Um, you know, and I was using prosthetic genitalia that you know, um, gave the appearance through in my pants that I had male genitalia, but I knew that I didn't. Sure. But it was like, well, one day this is all going to be real. And then it will be okay. And all, right. Yeah. And all along that process, there was always this, this dichotomy of, you know, uh, like after my chest surgery, for example, I, I was on just on cloud nine. This is the greatest thing ever. I love the physical results, but I remember getting very depressed because I realized that my surgery hadn't made me a man. And I was like, well, at what point does this become real? And so then I had another surgery and I was like, well, well, that still didn't make it real. Well, I basically, I had all the female organs removed. I never ended up, ha by gr God's grace, I'm so thankful. I never ended up having the general reassignment. But when I looked at those surgeries, I was devastated because they were so fake and so um, just horrific. The options they, they offer are just horrible. Uh, and it I was never going to... I would think it would be so hard to uh, go through surgery on something mm -hmm. like that. That would be frightening. Yeah. You know, and I, I just realized that it, I was devastated when I realized it was never going to be real. It was so artificial. And so um, I just felt like some kind of freak in between. I, I, I oh. really, I knew I was never going to be a man. Um, but I, I realized that, you know, I didn't want to be a woman. And oh. there was so much pain there. Every time I thought about it, it was just, it was devastating. Oh, your identity is, is, is a, a car crash. You know, it's just, yeah. you can't go to either camp, right? Yeah, and I, had, and I had spent years believing that this was all going to be real. And I had invested everything. I mean, I had really thrown all the eggs in this basket. Sure. And I had, it was like I had nothing else to live for. And a lot of people don't realize the narcissism and egocentrism that really um, plague a transgender person because their entire life, morning, noon, and night, their entire life becomes about affirming this identity. And it's like once they can achieve that, then they can go on with life. But until then, everything in their life revolves around this. Trans people talk about being trans all the time. you know, And it's all about... Um, affirming them and that's why when parents are trying to figure out how to navigate this um you know the kid all they want is the affirmation and if you don't affirm me then i don't want anything to do with you but if parents start compromising and start giving them little affirmations it's never enough sure it's never going to be enough because it's never going to be real oh that is a powerful statement that is a powerful statement because we think we can change God's will like this, just with right. some surgeries and little hormones or whatever, and mm -hmm. it, you, you still knew you were a woman. 
Yeah, I didn't realize at the time, God has really given me a passion for studying um, men and women and the differences between men and women. God has created two totally different creatures that are, you know, complementary in nature to display the glory of God. Um, but there are over 6,500 biological differences between men and women. And that's only what scientists oh. have discovered. I would venture wow. to say that God knows way more than we do, obviously. <laughs> you know, so there, um, there are many, I'm sure, who knows how many differences there really are, but every single part of our body is designed to fulfill the roles that God gave us. And it's a, it's a fascinating study. Um, but I, I've realized that men and women really are different. There, there was one day where I was standing in a group of guys. That I had a new job where I was only known as male. Nobody knew I was trans. And I was standing in this group of guys outside at work. And I remember thinking, I'm not one of them. I don't know why. I can't put my finger on it. I don't understand it. But there is something here intangible that I may never understand that makes me different from them. And I just knew it instinctively. Wow, what a moment. So yeah. then at what point did you realize, I don't want to be this? Well, there really wasn't a point until after I came out of the lifestyle. I didn't want to be a woman. As, as painful as all this was, as fake as it all was, and I was going through just mental hell. I mean, I had to reinvent my life all the time. I had to lie about everything. I, it was really the torture of this lifestyle. People just don't understand. But I really didn't want to be a woman. Every time I thought about it, it was so painful. But God had been drawing me. I had gotten um, just radically saved. Through, <laughs> I guess we kind of skipped over that part. But I had... Um, well, tell the audience been how, that, how that happened, because I think that's such a, a great story, and it really involves you and your mom as well, which is really yeah. sweet. Yeah, I had, um, for years, God had been drawing me. He'd been speaking to me over the radio, and he'd been, you know, putting things in my life and encountering me in my dreams. I had just, for years, God had been drawing me. And I look back, and my parents didn't realize that God had been answering their prayers all along the way. They didn't know it for many, many years. Um, but God was intervening all the time. And finally, I, I really, my mom had asked me to make a website for her Bible study. <laughs> and as I did, like she had no idea this, the Lord was going to use this. She had tried for years to fix me. Sure. But now all of a sudden, um, she had really surrendered me into the Lord's hands. She genuinely just needed a website. And, but I, I decided that I was going to summarize her lessons for the, for the website. I didn't understand the power of the word of God because I had read it many times as a kid and it never affected my life. I didn't want to read it. I, I was just trying to, um, really, I was trying to make a good portfolio. Um, so, but as I did, things began to jump out at me. All of a sudden, uh, the Bible started coming alive and I was interested. I started calling and ask her questions. And over the next six months, as we talked, I really began to see a change in my mom and the Lord began to open my eyes. And I was like, mom, what's happened to you? Um, you know, you're totally different from the mother I grew up with. And it was like when, when I began to see that, she was filled with faith and peace and joy and just things I had never, ever seen in her as a kid. When I think about my mom from childhood, I picture her with so much stress on her face because that's how she looked most of the time. You know, and when I saw her now and just the peace that was in her. Wow, ev and evidence, like, even physically. Absolutely, yeah. And it was like at that moment, I knew the gospel was true. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is real. Christ is real. He's alive. Yeah. Because he has transformed my mother and I wanted what she had. 
And I went home and I began to repent of all my sin. And I really didn't believe, though, that God would save me. It was through an incredible encounter where God re- um, proved to me he wasn't done with me yet. Because I thought I had to work my way back toward God. And God proved to me that it was just his grace, that he wanted me. And it was so powerful to realize that after all I had done, God still wanted me because I'd been a horrible person. And there were times and I was praying to Satan, asking Satan to keep people from coming to know Jesus. Um, you know, I didn't realize that Satan didn't have, didn't have equal power with God, you know? Right. Um, but I, I was just radically, radically transformed. I, I was so changed. I knew instantly that I'd been born again. I knew my heart was changed. All my desires began to change, but I didn't want to be a, a woman. And I thought I can be a man of God and God was gracious. And over the next year and a half, he was so long suffering with me. But as he began to change my heart and he began to draw me slowly out of that lifestyle and he began to um, just speak to me and he began to reveal his word to me and he gave me such a hunger and thirst for his word. I was listening to something uh, like some kind of Christian teaching or Bible study all day long every day at work. Oh, my and goodness. That's a lot I was, of intake. <laughs> I really was. For hours, I'd listen to like bot radio and it was just sermon after sermon after sermon or I'd listen to some kind of Bible study teacher. Um, or Christian radio of some kind for hours and hours a day. And so eventually, you know, because people will try to twist this verse or that verse and say, oh, this is the original content. I've heard, you know, a hundred arguments on what these verses can mean and all this, you know. But the reality is when the Holy Spirit got a hold of me, the whole Bible was telling me I couldn't be transgender, you know, because the whole Bible is telling me that God is God and not me. It's like Isaiah 29, uh, 16 says, um, your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay for shall the thing that is made say of him that made it, you made me not, or shall the thing that is framed say you had no understanding. So I, I began to realize that it was God that had created me and not me. And for me to declare that I knew better than God was the ultimate pride. Um, you know, God gives grace to the humble, not to the proud. Yeah. But I, I didn't know what to do about it. And I was just, I was really honestly hoping that the Lord would come back and I wouldn't have to deal with this. I was like, whoops, I ran out of time. <laughs> so, I, but one night. Uh, I've been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I just can't do this. Beam me and, up. <laughs> yes. And I, I, I had this um, one night, I, I was so convicted. I asked my mom what she was teaching in her Bible study. And she said she had been studying on the judgment seat of Christ. And the fear of the Lord really hit Ooh. me. And I went home and I threw myself on the floor and I began to cry out to the Lord with all my heart. And I said, God, I want everything you have for me. I don't want to miss anything. I don't, I don't want to, um, I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want to know that I have missed out on what you had for me. What do you want from me? And I was expecting like, you know, read your Bible this many times a day. I'm calling you to be a missionary, you know, all these things. And the Lord asked me a question and he said, if, if you stood before me tonight, what name would I call? Oh, I was like, but, oh God, that is not fair. Oh. <laughs> you know, I said, I repented of this. I said, I was sorry. I know I shouldn't have done this. This was not your will, but it's too late now. I have transitioned. I, I have facial hair. I had a much lower voice at the time. I have had these surgeries. I had this partner that was also trans. I was like, there is no way I can go back. And God. he reminded me of John chapter one, where it says, Jesus Christ himself is the creator. He said, you can't claim to love me and yet reject my creation. And I just thought I was being condemned because I was not going to go back to being female. That wasn't an option to me. Yeah. And 
you know, but in the most loving voice I've ever heard in all my life, he whispered to me and he said, let me tell you who you are. Oh, and I still remember the way it sounded. This is so the Lord's voice. I have heard similar things in my head and it's always very brief to the point and just Mm -hmm. right to the heart. And it's, it's not a, a judgmental hatred voice. It's right. It's the voice of truth and love. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, and that's that's what blows me away. He didn't condemn me. He didn't say, he didn't shake his fist at me and say, you better change now. Or, you know, it wasn't an angry, like, that's what I expected. I know. And it was such a gentle, but it, mm. it was almost this, what it, I think the, 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 the emotion behind it and the, the heart behind it for God was this, I have something so much better for you. Yes. You know, and that's what I really, it's like, I didn't want that to be true in a sense because I, I wanted what I wanted and I didn't, there was no way that I could even conceive of going back to being female. It was so painful. Every time I thought about it, it was like a knife going through my soul. I thought there is no way on this earth I can do that. But there was this hope that maybe God knew something I didn't, maybe God, um, somehow had something better for me. And I knew at the very least, I knew that it was going to be okay one day. I knew in heaven that I would have a glorified body. I knew those feelings and desires would go away, but I didn't know how to fix it. I didn't know what to do about it. And I really wrestled and wrestled and wrestled. God hit me so hard with conviction one night. I literally fell out of bed on the floor just crying. I knew God wanted me to leave that lifestyle, but I didn't know how. And I just began to beg the Lord with all my heart to take my life. And oh, I that, said, please God, just bottom, let me die. The bottom yeah. of your desperation. Yeah, I, I was absolutely desperate. I saw no way out. A war. You were at war with yeah. yourself and, and God. Mm-hmm. I was. I wanted everything God had for me, but I didn't want. I didn't want to be a girl. And I saw myself in this deep, dark pit that I had uh, no way out of. It was too high for me. And I, uh, he reminded me in Matthew sixteen, verse twenty-four through twenty-six. It says. If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever will save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his own soul? Mm. And I had a clear vision of Jesus Christ getting down on one knee. He reached his hand down into this pit and he said, do you trust me? And I said, oh God, God, that isn't, um, you know, it's like, I knew he was asking me to leave everything. It's like, I can't do this. No, but you I can't. knew you can't. Yeah. Right. Now looking back, I realized I didn't do any of this, but I knew it was too painful for me, but I knew, I knew that I could not continue to live in that sin. I knew that the Bible says, you know, in first Corinthians and in many other passages in Ephesians five, first Corinthians six, there are passages that say that those who live in unrepentant sexual sin will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I knew um, that this had an eternal impact, but yet there was this sense that God wanted so desperately for me to know what he had for me. And I, I finally, it was like, I want Jesus more than I want anything in this world. And I'm willing, I really thought I was going to be miserable the rest of my life. So did you want Jesus more or did you want to get out from being so um, torn apart by the confusion of your sexuality? What was it that motivated you that kind of that turning point uh, of what happened? 
it was really just Christ. I, I wanted Christ more than anything. Oh. I wanted him. And I was, I really, at that moment, oh, and I forgot to mention when I was um, in that, in that time where I was really just begging the Lord to take my life, God had totally withdrawn his presence from me. I couldn't feel him. And it was like, I was in such darkness and I knew he was there. I knew he had not abandoned me, but I couldn't feel him. And I was so miserable. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep, especially that last week or so before I left, before I made that decision, I, I couldn't, I was so miserable and I knew I couldn't live like that. So yes, there, there was a sense that I wanted out of it, but I wanted Christ. I wanted him and I wanted to know him and I wanted, honestly, I wanted to be used by him. I knew that God had a great calling on my life. I, I dedicated my life to be a missionary when I was 13. And it was like, if I can just follow Christ, maybe, um, you know, I knew this is what I, I remembered. Um, it's in First Corinthians where it says, "I has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has even entered into the heart of man the things that God has in store for those that love Him." And I, I didn't realize that that blessing was also for this life. You know, mm -hmm. I, I knew that God one day would have to. If I can obey God now, I know I will have eternal rewards and I will be okay in heaven. But I didn't. There's another uh, passage in Mark. It's also in Matthew, I think, where it says. Um, that um, Jesus says, I tell you that nobody that has left brothers or houses or sisters or fathers, there's a whole list there. Or, yes, um, yes. Mm -hmm. All of this, he says, will receive in this life a hundredfold and in the world to come eternal life. And so God has, you know, I didn't, I was so miserable at that time. It was so painful. I just thought I was absolutely going to die. But I, I gave the Lord this little yes, this all I did, you know, I, I didn't know how I was going to fix it all. Jesus didn't tell me, this is what you're going to do the rest of your life. He didn't say yeah. these are the next. All he, really what he wanted, it was like, drop everything and come and follow me. I knew he was asking me to leave everything and walk away. And that's all I did. I didn't have a plan other than I knew he wanted me to move home with my mom and dad, uh, stop wearing men's clothes. But that was about all I had at the very beginning. Sure. And one step it was at like a, a time. The Lord doesn't yeah, overwhelm us, you know? Right. One step of obedience in the right direction. Amen. That's why I think sometimes people get so overwhelmed when we think of what a mess we've made of our lives and we try to fix it. God asked me this one little thing. And I remember there was about three weeks between when I made the decision to leave that lifestyle and when I actually moved home because I was getting rid of all my stuff. I, 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 didn't want to burn the, it was the only good job I'd ever had. I had horrible work history. So Aww. I was trying to not burn that bridge. So, but during that, it was God's grace in a way that during that time period, I remember like selling my things and getting rid of all of um, the men's clothes and um, all of this, this journey of realizing like, I don't know how I'm putting one foot in front of the other. How am I doing this? Why do I have the strength to walk away from this? And it gave me about two or three weeks of just kind of introspection. And I also had this realization as I was trying to sell my stuff, how worthless it all was. I had paid, you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars for these things, and now they're almost worthless. Yeah. And I began to grieve as I realized how much of my life I had wasted on selfish things. Oh. And so it was really a powerful time in my life. So when I finally left it and walked away, and I'll never forget driving away from my partner and um, the tears streaming down his face. You know, he was living as a woman, so we were both trans. Yeah. Um, but when I left him, he was devastated. But I knew I had to obey Christ. Yeah. And you wanted that most of all. That's what I I'm did. hearing you say. 
that is so compelling. So compelling because you know, it truly can only be God that would give you the courage and the strength to start selling those clothes. I mean, these are, you know, you're really putting the nails in the coffin to that life. It was. Yeah. And I, I'll never forget just the that feeling of, I, I don't know how I'm doing. This is so painful. How am I putting one foot in front of the other? And I use this picture of Jesus um, carrying the lamb over his shoulders. Oh, you yes. Know, there's, yes. Oh, yes. Like, Familiar like the, with there's, that. It's so beautiful, right on the back of his neck. That's where you <laughs> yes. were, right? Yes. And, you know, there's two pictures in the Bible. Uh, there may be more than that, but two parables that are given about someone that's lost. And the first is the, the prodigal son. And the father of the prodigal son could do nothing to bring the son home. He, he waited. He prayed, I'm sure, you know. He was um, watching for but, him. Right. He was watching. He waited. He longed yes. for the son to come mm-hmm. home, but there was nothing he could do to bring him home. But the good shepherd left the 99, the shepherd who was Christ, went and sought out and found the sheep and carried him home on his shoulders. You know, and that that's the beauty of all of this, that my parents couldn't fix it. There was no, I remember when I moved home, my mom, I was sobbing. And every time I'd pull one shirt out of my suitcase, I'd cry for an hour because it was so painful. And there was nothing she could do. And she'd try to comfort me a little. But yet, as she prayed, she just kept praying. And the Lord just began to heal my heart. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, over the next uh, weeks and months, he was using people at the church that the people in my mom's Bible study, uh, the women there, and then the people in the church were so healing to me as they began to love on me, as they began to involve me in the church, as they began to accept me and embrace me as a woman um, and really began to love on me. And God, as he peeled away the layers, as he began to um, help me to forgive, as he, as I began to let go of all the bitterness, as I, he peeled away the layers a little bit at a time, a little more at a time. And I looked back one day and it was like, I know I'm not meant to be trans. And then, you know, a little while later, it was like, I'm um, like, I'm okay being a woman, you know, and then I'm, I'm liking being a woman. Like each oh, little step. What a and miracle. Now, like, a miracle. Oh, it was so, it was such a miracle. And today I I love being a woman. A lot of people tell me I'm one of the most feminine girls they know. I absolutely <laughs> love being a woman. Yeah. It's like, this has been such a miracle. I'm just so blown away at what God has done. It's Laura, so far this, beyond anything I could describe. It, it, well, you've done a good job. <laughs> you really <laughs> have described quite the journey. And I know there's lots of families that can relate to people going through in their family that they love similar journeys. So it's so important to speak up. And that's that's a, one of my questions for you, Laura, is why are you sharing your story publicly? It would have been so easy to hide. Why are you coming out and speaking to the church about this? Well, one of my, uh, I have a couple of life verses. One of them, Psalm 107, two, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You know, and really when I first came out, I, God had given me a heart for evangelism and I really didn't understand um, and by God's grace, how how much people hated this story, how much it was going to be offensive to people and all this, because people don't want to hear the truth. 
I look back now and I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have wanted to hear it at the time. But I was so on fire for Jesus. I was so grateful for what he'd done. I was telling everybody. I would go up to people on the street and start talking about Jesus. And <laughs> I still looked very masculine at the time. Sure. And I would say, the reason I look so weird is because I used to be transgender. And Jesus has set me free. You know, <laughs> I was just I was just on fire for Jesus. And it wasn't about my story, really. It was a, an avenue to share what Jesus had done. And I was just that that was really my heart was I just want people to know Jesus like I know Jesus. Yeah, yeah. You had such an experience with him so powerfully in that life circumstance. But it was really, your story is really all about Christ. Amen. That's all I want. All I want is to glorify him. I, and you are, and this is just such an encouragement, not, and not only because of the transgender issue, but whatever issue women might be going through, men might be going through, your story is very encouraging of how bold the Lord can be, and yet so Amen. gentle in our life to lead us through those dark days of our own making, Yeah, which is so incredible, Amen. isn't it? But yet Amen. his grace and his love reaches down right where we're at. So I, I would like to just finish up our time here in the next minute or two. Would you? What would you like to say to individuals or parents dealing with the transgender issues? For individuals that are struggling, I, I know what this is like. I know the pain and I know how impossible it seems. But Christ, there's a famous quote, uh, I don't remember who it's originally attributed to, that says, um, Christ didn't come to make bad people good. He made, he came to make dead people alive. And what he's offering you is so much better and so beyond what you could ever dream of. And Satan is wanting to sell you a cheap counterfeit. Mm-hmm. And yes, the trans life sometimes can seem like a good uh, solution. It can it relieves the pain for a little while, kind of like a pain reliever does. A drug can make you feel good for a while, but it can never fix the pain and the brokenness deep within And so what Christ is offering you is true healing and true life, life eternal, but also abundant life in this life. And what about parents? parents? Yes. Yeah. So, and for parents, um, what God wants most of all, what God continually puts on my heart to tell parents is to keep your eyes on him. God is just as interested in your relationship with him. And if you will pursue Jesus Christ with all your heart, your kids are going to see how you are being transformed over these years. Even if you're already have, even if you already have a good relationship with him, there's so much more he has. He's infinite. And the more that the more Christ-like we become, the more he fills us, the more he will pour himself out of us. Wow. Wow. So again, it goes all back to Christ, doesn't it? It is. It's all about Christ. Even for the parents. Yeah. Well, Laura, I have so enjoyed this time to get to know you a little bit. And I I would like to know, is there any way that listeners can get a hold of you? Do you have a website, a book, something that that could uh, uh, hear further from you? I do. I work for First Stone Ministries in Oklahoma City. Uh, we have lots of other resources. Please reach out to us at firststone.org. And there's a contact page there. There's a phone number there. Um, I also have uh, my own blog website at transgender transformedcom It's the same as my book title. You can get my book there. Um, you can also get it on Amazon. Um, so yeah, there's, um, please us, reach out. Yeah, give us that title of your book again. It's transgender to transformed. I love that. How you, in such a short amount of words, say yeah. <laughs> something so powerful, so powerful. Yeah. Well, Amen. Laura, again, thank you so much. And uh, listeners, uh, thank you for tuning in to She Is Becoming podcast. <laughs>